All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. If you're listening, you're hearing this, and I appreciate that. Hope you find this entertaining, constructive time spent, or maybe the sound of my smooth, mellow, laid-back accent voice puts you to sleep. I can appreciate that, too, because I have my own (laughs) droning, sort of perfect rhythm talking channels that I listen to podcasts that I listen to to put me to sleep so I do understand this has been a strange week uh, this is February 11th 2023 a lot has happened this week and I don't intend this to be a news channel at all I, I like to insert current events, quote unquote, to sort of put a pin for the listener in time and maybe draw a little bit more context to why I think a certain way about a certain thing in within the frame of that context. So that's really what these little news current events blurbs are about. There was a 7.8 magnitude earthquake. Actually, I think there were three or four. There was like a three, a four, a six, and then a 7.8 that hit Turkey and Syria this week. So my thoughts and prayers go out to the folks there. There's a huge relief effort underway and it is odd how small a portion of the news cycle that that story is playing. It is very odd. What's in the forefront this week? Well, it started last week. A Chinese, air quotes, weather balloon or a civilian research balloon flew almost completely across the United States at like 60,000 feet and they waited until it got off off the coast of North Carolina to shoot it down. That was all last week's news cycle, most of this week's news cycle. And just when you thought it could get any more interesting, we find out Thursday that we shot down some object the size of a car around Alaska somewhere. All this happened this week. So it's it's been kind of a, a strange week and very a very tragic week as well. There's there's the pin in time for what's going on here right now. And I'd like to start this podcast talking about a topic that has been fairly prevalent for quite a while, especially since the last election cycle, the last presidential election cycle, is censorship and how much the government is involved in squashing particular topics from the media, from social media. And you hear these things, and personally, there's a lot of disbelief. How could that be possible? We have this thing called freedom of speech. It's... (laughs) How... How, how could the 
how could the government be involved in restricting that right? Well, they don't do it directly. But that's a whole different story. I don't want to get into the government's involvement. What I do want to talk about is YouTube and censorship of certain topics on YouTube. Specifically, I ran across the channel just a few weeks ago called The Y Files. Highly recommend it. The guy talks about some very interesting topics and he presents it in such a fun manner that it, it, you just you just have to check it out. I, I, I would like you to experience his presentation on your own and go through that emotional roller coaster on your own. It's a lot of fun. Well, he he has an after show. Which was enlightening for me to watch for a couple of reasons. Number one, he'll be on this after show just and I guess uh, whoever logs into whatever service it is that he uses for that can ask questions. They'll send like little chats and it'll pop. He'll pop them up on the screen and, and address the questions. And they also, and this is what blows my mind, they can pay for donations and it's, so I guess however you sign into the service again I don't know what service it is that he uses when it pops up on the screen it'll have their name how much they donated and some comment or some question some request whatever it is a lot of the and that boggles my mind that you can hold some sort of after show after your 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 episode premieres have like a live broadcast for your audience which is cool right it gives you a chance to connect with the people with your subscribers i think that's really cool but the amount of money that people donate during the course of this two three four hour after premiere show it's 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 mind-boggling to me to me and i'm an old guy now Maybe this is the way the new generation does things, but it really boggles my mind. Anyway, a good majority of those questions are, why don't you do a show on this particular topic or this particular topic? Jeffrey Epstein, DMT, things like this. And he knows, I guess somewhere he's done some research or maybe he knows people in the business exactly what topics that he can get away with talking about and further he knows exactly how to talk about certain topics that are on the gray line so that they don't get demonetized now understand the monetization part because that's his job like that's his career that's his income is is the monetization from YouTube videos what surprises me is that there is some criteria out there created by some organization is it YouTube let's just say it is YouTube but YouTube has decided based on some conversation with board members stockholders I have no idea that here's a list of things that we will not let people talk about and if they do talk about them we will demonetize them 
or we will add what does it call it a context warning at the bottom of it and I think if there's a context warning then you have to be a certain age and you have to sign into YouTube to actually watch the thing and most people aren't going to do that as I understand that I'm, I'm saying all this to say that and and I know Google does the same thing with their searches so and Google owns YouTube last time I checked certain topics you go look go search Google for the results that you get aren't necessarily going to be the raw results of them crawling the internet looking for pages on certain topics they're going to go through some sort of a filter and you're only going to get the results that Google deems politically correct or based and based on your location so if you're in New Zealand and Google let's say Jeffrey Epstein the results that you get are going to be different than if you're in the United States and you Google Jeffrey Epstein so there's some some shenanigans afoot with uh, with these pop popular platforms just keep that in mind Everything that you see on the internet may not be everything that there is available to see on the internet. And depending on how you, uh, you go about looking for things, you may not really get information that gets to the heart of the matter. You may be going through some sort of filtered variation of it or a politically correct variation of it or Google-blessed or YouTube-blessed variation of it. Now on to today's first topic which coincidentally the Y-Files did an episode on and I enjoyed watching it and while I was watching it I was like man because I'd already done the research and I already typed up all the notes and stuff for, for this episode of my podcast and I almost scrapped it all but I figured nah why not I'll, I'll, I'll keep at it it's an interesting story but if you want to see a, a well done version of this with video and pictures and professionally produced sound and lights and all that stuff he check him out there I, I, I highly recommend it a monument according to the dictionary is a statue building or other structure erected to commemorate a famous or notable person or event and it's a statue or other structure placed by or over a grave in memory of the dead. Also, a building, structure, or site that is of historical importance or interest. June 1979, a man using the pseudonym Robert C. Christian approached the Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of, quote, a small group of loyal Americans, unquote, to commission a New York, new work. Christian explained that the monument would function as a compass, calendar, and clock and should be capable of, quote, withstanding catas catastrophic events, unquote. The man reportedly used the pseudonym as a reference to the Christian religion. Christian said that he wanted to build a granite monument that would rival the British Neolithic monument Stonehenge. He drew inspiration from the structure after he paid a visit to it. However, he said that while it was impressive, Stonehenge had no message to communicate. In 1981, 
the Elberton Granite Fish Finishing Company published a 50-page book about a, quote, mysterious monument, end quote, that it had erected a year earlier in a cow pasture seven miles outside a small North Georgia town. Elberton bills itself as the granite capital of the world, owing to a massive deposit of fine-grained, bluish-gray rock beneath it, which it used in two-thirds of U.S. headstones. The book celebrated a much different undertaking. The company had spent the previous year quarrying, sawing, refining, engraving, and positioning six stones standing nearly 20 feet tall and collectively weighing a quarter of a million pounds in a Stonehenge-like configuration. It was meant to function partly as a solar calendar. Of greater interest, though, were 10 guiding principles engraved on the stones in eight languages, English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. This work was known as the Georgia Godstones. From a news article titled What Happened to America Stonehenge in the New Yorker by Charles Bethea, Christian later transferred ownership of the land and the Godstones to Elbert County. By 1981, barbed wire fencing had to be erected around the monument to keep cattle out as they had been using it for a scratching post. A man who identified himself as Robert Christian published a book titled Common Sense Renewed, which described the ideology of the Godstones. The author wrote, I am the originator of the Georgia Godstones and the sole author of its inscriptions. I have had the assistance of a number of other American citizens in bringing the monument into being. We have no mysterious purposes or ulterior motives. We seek common sense pathways to a peaceful world without bias for a particular creed or philosophies. Careful consideration of the inscriptions on the Godstones could lead one to conclude that its message is directed at a civilization after it suffered some major population-reducing cataclysm. Context is important here because if you don't read or hear what I'm about to say within the context of being directed at a post-cataclysm, then you're going to draw a very unhealthy conclusion. The same conclusion that folks drew, as we'll see very shortly. Here's what the Godstones said. Maintain humanity under 5 million excuse me, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Unite humanity with a living new language. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. <laughs> Balance personal rights with social duties. Prize truth, beauty, love, 
seeking harmony with the infinite. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. And yes, leave room for nature is repeated twice. Now, some of these ideas are beautiful. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. How many people could argue that we have a lot of those right now in this country? Balance personal rights with social duties. If you spend some time thinking about that and you have some knowledge of the Constitution and the, the frame of mind that the Founding Fathers were in when they created it, you can draw a direct correlation between that very short statement, that very short sentence, and some of the ideas that are there in our Constitution. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. Unite humanity with a living new language. That sounds, that seemed a little bit far-fetched when I first read it, but then I thought, how much information can somebody in China communicate to somebody in the United States with nothing but iPhone emojis? Is that not a living new language? It seems like we're kind of on our way there already just as a side effect of the technology that we use. Now here's the, the first two I think caused the most controversy. Back to context. If you read this outside of a post-apocalyptic -apoc world where a majority of the population of the human race has been wiped out. Maybe there's only 25,000 people left. Then at that point, maintaining humanity under 500 million people in perpetual balance with nature would make a whole lot more sense than viewing that from the lens of here we are with nearly 7 billion in the world. Uh, how do we maintain humanity under 500 million? Well, that's not what they're saying. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Again, look at that through today's lens. That means something completely different than it would if we only had 25,000 people on the face of the planet and we were trying to figure out how to recover our civilization or create a brand new one in our own image or however that, that looks in a post-apocalyptic world. Shortly after four in the morning on July 6th, 2022, an explosion rocked the pasture. One of the monuments columns was destroyed and the capstone was cracked. The remaining columns were rendered unstable and removed that day by county officials. Security cameras at the site captured grainy images of a lone figure running up to the monument prior to the explosion, then running away. After the explosion, a silver car flooded the scene. We always thought somebody might try to put a chain around the guidestone and pull it down, Clamp told me, but I never thought somebody might come in and blow the thing up. 
No arrests have been made, and there's currently no person of interest in the case, according to Parks White, the district attorney for the Northern Judicial Circuit of Georgia. The Georgia Bureau of Investigations is leading the inquiry. It's just remarkable that someone would go to this extreme to destroy a landmark, White said. It wasn't a satanic marker, it was a novelty. He noted the proximity of neighboring homes. They could have killed people. Now he mentioned that this wasn't a satanic marker. But yet, during the course of my research, I read a quote by Candace Taylor, who ran during the 2020 Republican gubernatorial primary. This was her quote. Since my election, the Supreme Court has ruled in favor of three of my main platforms, platform issues and executive orders, Jesus, guns, and babies. And just like religious persecution, gun control, and abortion, the Georgia Guidestones, a demonic monument that calls for the depopulation of the earth, as well as for the extermination of 7.5 billion people, has no place in the Christian state of Georgia, or in America for that matter. In reference to the explosion that destroyed part of the Guidestones, she says, this looks like another act of God to me. Today it is another defeat of the devil. Never underestimate the power of prayer. In other references I read to her statement about the destruction of the Georgia Godstone, she believed that lightning came down from the sky. Or it was suggested that she believed that lightning came down from the sky and destroyed the capstone. There's this thing called the First Amendment. She ran for Congress uh, on her platform, Jesus, Guns, and Babies. Forgot somehow that uh, there's this little amendment that says Congress shall make no law rep respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So it kind of wouldn't have mattered if it was a satanic marker, which I would not be in favor of, but there's plenty of them. And I missed an opportunity right here to, to, to insert some more information there's a statue of Baphomet in front of a courthouse somewhere. Let me go. Let me go look at that real quick. I think it's in front of a courthouse. Uh, Satanic Temple unveils Baphomet statue at Arkansas Capitol. Okay, this is from the AP News, August 16, 2018. There's Baphomet sitting on a throne with a little girl on his right hand and a little boy on his left. 
The Satanic Temple unveiled a statue Thursday of a goat-headed wind creature called Baphomet during a First Amendment rally at the Arkansas State Capitol to protest a Ten Commandments monument already on the Capitol grounds. There you go. I don't agree with it, but if you're going to let Christian people have a right to religion, you have to let everybody else, too. Back to Candace Taylor. This is from, let's see, did I mark this article? I sure did not. Sorry, I did not quote the source on this. When I reached Candace Taylor later, she offered a different theory. I think that it was struck with lightning. Okay, she said of the monument, there's nothing that indicates that it was blown up. She explained that some folks in Elbert County had messaged her about lightning in the area on the morning of the explosion. The lightning was God's work, Taylor added. That's when I tweeted, God can do anything he wants to. He can strike down satanic guidestones. I asked her about the security footage showing someone running from the monument just before the explosion. It looks like it's computer generated, she replied. There's uh, Candace Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. The Georgia Godstones weren't the end of this. This A lot of things happened in the wake of um, the murder of George Floyd in May 2020. And this may have happened in other countries too, but the, I'm only aware of the way it happened here. It started with uh, monuments related to the Confederate States of America, its leaders and its military. And as these type of things always do, its scope expanded to include other forms of, quote, systemic racism, unquote, Christopher Columbus. Because uh, his arrival in America coincided with the genocide of Native American people or sparked the genocide of Native American people. Junipero Serra, Juan de Onate, and Kit Carson, also involved in mistreatment of Native Americans, were torn down. Several statues of American slave owners were vandalized or removed, including Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Ulysses S. Grant, Francis Scott Key. By October 2020, over 100 Confederate symbols had been removed, relocated, or renamed. Some monuments that were not associated with the Confederacy, slavery, or racism were also targeted. The statue of abolitionist Hans Christian Haig was torn down and thrown into a lake. He had owned and published a newspaper that was anti-slavery. He had been a leader of Wisconsin's Wide Awakes, an anti-slave catcher militia. In Portland, a statue of an elk was burned, originally created to commemorate the many elk that used to lie in the area. The statue of York, a black slave with the Lewis and Clark expedition, the first black person to travel across the continent, was removed by the University of Portland. It goes on and on and on. The statue of Charles Lynn, removed from Birmingham, Alabama, May 31, 2020, toppled by protesters. Confederate Soldiers and Sailors Monument, Birmingham, removed by the city. The Bentonville Confederate Monument, 
Arkansas, June 1, 2020. Supposed to be removed. Statue of Sam Davis removed, Nashville, Tennessee, by its school. John B. Castleman Monument was removed by the city, Louisville, Kentucky. It goes on and on and on and on. Confederate War Memorial, DeKalb County Confederate Monument. Statue of Jefferson Davis, removed by the state. Iberville Parish Confederate Monument, removed from Plaquemine, Louisiana, June 16. Voted for unanimously by the Parish Council. Zebulon Baird Vance Monument, removed by the Asheville City Council and Buncombe Council, County Council from Asheville, North Carolina. Jefferson Davis Memorial Boulder. They removed a memorial boulder from the Washington Park. Robert E. Lee, highway marker, San Diego, California. Memorial to Company A Capital Guards, Little Rock, Arkansas. North Carolina State Confederate Monument, Riley, North Carolina. Statue of Henry Lawson Wyatt, Riley, North Carolina. Monument to North Carolina Women of the Confederacy, Riley, North Carolina. Confederate Soldier Grave Marker, Silver Spring, Maryland, toppled by protesters. There's probably 200 of these on this page. Statue of Pierre. <laughs> Let's try this. Statue of Pierre Belain Dien Sumbuk from Fort de France, Martinique, destroyed by protesters. So it wasn't just here. France, Barbados, Canada, Ireland, Colombia, United Kingdom. Why? Now, I would not be amenable to seeing a statue of somebody like Pol Pot or Coney that I talked about last episode on a college campus. But that monument would also serve as a painful reminder to everybody who viewed it of what an evil leader with the backing of a nation is capable of. Surely we should not forget people we now detest nor erase their name for our, from our history. Why? Because as we mature as a society, we should learn, we should, that the ideas of yesterday may not be as applicable or compliant with our current understanding of civility and morality. If we do not keep these references to those figures around, especially if they now disgust us, we lose the contrast of how we were versus how we are. We lose the ability to see any progress we may be making forward, or more importantly, serve as a reminder that we may be moving backward. Because if we forget what can happen, we could in ignorance repeat the same grievous error. Have a good week, folks. Stay safe. Thank you for listening.